Hi, and a warm welcome to all of you. Glad you could join our podcast. My name is Kate Pohl, and I am head of bank and partner strategy at TraxPay. My partner is Stephen Batiste, the CTO of TIS. Stephen is our resident tech wizard. He began writing code at age seven and designing video games when he was a teenager. And Stephen has never looked back since. Today, we are very, very pleased to be interviewing Kenza Ait Abu, thought leader in artificial intelligence, advisory board member, best-selling author, we'll talk about that later, and director of client engineering, DACH for IBM. She's also a TEDx speaker and a top 40 under 40. She also has a family, and I won't ask when she sleeps because I suspect <laughs> it's non-existent. So, yeah, Kenza, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Before we actually get started with all our questions that we want to bombard you with, um, I really wanted to talk a little bit about how you actually got here and your background. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your history and describe your career path. I think it'd be very interesting to the folks out there. Yes. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for the introduction. For the nice introduction, it's always nice to to hear the achievements somehow <laughs> <laughs> from someone else. You know, it reminds forgets. me. Okay, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I should uh, I should party a little bit more <laughs> and and uh, reflect more on the achievements, which is a, a great thing. Yeah, and and so my path started in in Morocco, where I was born and uh, where I grew up. And it started with a, a love to mathematics. So like Stephen, apparently you have a love uh, for a programming or coding. And for me, it was just maths. So this is how it all started. Basically, I was just having fun uh, um, uh, doing um, equations and, and, and calculating. What happened to the dolls? What happened to the dolls? Were there a few of those too, or was it just math? Oh, no. I, every time I, I got a doll, I gave it to someone else because <laughs> I have... <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Never funny. Mind. <laughs> I have two, uh, two elderly brothers. Uh, so I was used to uh, uh, to man game, let's say, uh, or boys games. And dolls, I just, I didn't know what to do with them. So I always gave them to my friends. Uh, and, and probably this is why I feel so comfortable in the IT uh, business um, and uh, it's men dominated uh, but for me it's just the way I have grown up um, I'm uh, yeah I was I, I was used I'm used to being around by me anyway so ma mathematics brought me to engineering studies and that brought me to hardware development software development um, and to AI and that happened in different countries and continents. So from Morocco, I moved to Spain to study there, uh, electric, electronics, el electrical engineering with telecommunications engineering to be more precise. Um, and then I moved to Germany for a master degree. And then I moved to China to improve my Chinese. And then I came back to Germany. And since then, uh, yeah, I'm working in the IT field. Oh my goodness, okay. Uh, did your parents, I, I have to ask you one more question though, were your parents very supportive of this or did you have to rebel? How did that work? <laughs> That's also a good question, <laughs> especially, especially uh, being born in North Africa. Uh, my mom was a big supporter uh, and my parents actually met each other in, I think in the US. Um, 
So both of them traveled a lot when they were young. And, and my dad did, did part of his training, his military training in the US. Um, so my mom was very open about me studying abroad. And uh, uh, my dad didn't find it was such a good thing for a, you know, a girl from a good family uh, to go abroad and then to sleep somewhere where he doesn't know where and with whom. <laughs> so Oops. for a traditional culture, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, uh, but, but my mom was stronger and, and she, uh, uh, she made it happen, which I'm really grateful for. So, so they said many prayers when you got married. We'll go to that later. <laughs> Sorry, only kidding, only kidding. Um, okay, so now you're at IBM. Why don't you, before we really get into the technicals, why don't you tell us a little bit about your job there and how you got there and what that really means? Yeah, uh, so I just joined IBM last November, uh, um, which is uh, not, not, not that long. Uh, before that, I was working for Deutsche Telekom. Uh, in, in uh, different positions, but at last within the IT department and uh, uh, running uh, the AI, um, AI business, let's say. And uh, my new role at IBM is really exciting. I'm, I'm really excited. It's starting this year and uh, uh, um, I'm really looking forward to work with the team together. So I have, I have a team where around 100 people in different uh, uh, teams and our goal is to build up a stronger relationship with our customers. Um, uh, but practically what we do is uh, build minimal viable products with them. So we build MVPs in co-creation mode. So we're, we're using agile methodologies like design thinking, lean startup. And we go with the customers, start really from the idea. Okay, I would like to do something or I have this challenge. How could we, uh, how could, can we uh, use technology to solve that? And we do the co-creation engagements. And then at the end of the engagement, there's a prototype. Not a prototype, it's an MVP. So it's more than a prototype. There is coding. Uh, the, the software is really working on premise by, um, at, the, at the customer site. And um, yeah, so it's, it's really exciting. The, the projects, um, I know how this works because at Deutsche Telekom, we used to do something, uh, something similar, but just within, within the group. And uh, uh, now the big difference is that we're going to do it for other customers. And, and I'm really excited because it's all industries and the diversity of the topics wow. um, is, is, is huge. And then uh, the, yeah, the teams, other people are quite very motivated. So I'm Wow. I, I have I one more question on that but before we go on. Is it, first of all, is it a, you said DACH, does that mean the customers that you're dealing with are within that region? So that, I guess that's a yes. But yes. the second question is, is how do you, how is it the decision made who you will work with or what project um, you're going to start on? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's also a good question. You're going to so, find um, out, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. We're already working on that. Um, um, I mean, this whole this whole uh, methodology or, or team, let's say, it's throughout the organization. So it's a worldwide um, uh, initiative, not only in DACH. And we are dealing with the, the customers in, well, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. I, I don't know if everyone is familiar with the word DACH, uh, so the German-speaking uh, countries in Europe. Um, Point. And 
you know, one of my, one of my first questions when I joined IBM and, and we were talking about this, I said, okay, I, and is it also intended to get new logos? And people were looking at me, new logos? What do you mean? There are no new logos. IBM works already with everybody. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> I said, okay, 110-year-old company and uh, one of the, the few real tech, uh, um, tech leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Since so many years, so it's it's really um, yeah, it's really hard hard to find a new logo. It doesn't really exist. But the question is, of course, we have many partners and, and many customers, and and even even though the team is hundred people, we we're big enough, but it's not enough, obviously, to uh, to serve everybody at the same time. So we do have to prioritize. Which, in which engagements or in which projects we, we engage. And uh, we are right now working on that prioritization. So, that, so that's why I, I was laughing because this is exactly the... Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm available for consulting if you yeah. need <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But that, of course, our goal is, is to, to serve as many, as many customers as, as, as we can. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I would... Definitely like to ask some more questions around the technology. I think my first one is AI. How do you actually define that? Because everybody has a different definition. So it'd be interesting to hear what you say is AI. Yeah, that's uh, um, that's also one of the hardest questions in this in this context. Because as you said, there is no definition. Uh, there's no official definition. Mm. Usually I just follow the definition on Wikipedia <laughs> because probably it's, it's an easy one and, and reachable to everyone. So um, anything that enables a machine to acquire um, cognitive skills that we usually only think humans can do is an artificial intelligence. But of course, this also means the... Uh, the machine needs uh, to perceive its environment. It needs to learn from the environment, to keep learning. And with that knowledge, it, it uh, solves problems. So that's a very vast definition. And at the end, it's just a set of tools. Very good answer. And you mentioned learning, and usually that is via data. But how do you feel about the better use cases of data? Like what's the role does data really play? And can we really make data clean you know, for AI? Data plays the biggest role in this, in this whole uh, uh, AI uh, thing, obviously, because without data, uh, you can't have any AI working. So we need the data for the machine to learn uh, so that it can develop some, uh, some knowledge. And before starting to do that, you have to do your homework with the data. Uh, uh, so obviously you have to make sure, although one, one, one thing that that's, comes maybe even earlier. So the first thing and the most important thing is to know which problem would you like to solve? Mm-hmm. So th- this, should be, this should be the first thing to think about to have a, a clear uh, a methodology to follow. So we can't, we can't say, okay, um, gather as much data as you can, and one day you will know what to do with it. Uh, it doesn't really work properly. 
uh, we have we ge everybody generates data every second and there's huge amounts of data everywhere but you need to know what do you need the data for so that you know which data you would like to save uh, how you have uh, how to to gather it you need a, you need a data structure you need a data model you need uh, a way to to um um, so not only to store it, but uh, uh, to prepare it so that you can analyze it and that a data scientist can do something with it. So it's a, it's a whole long process. And this process usually takes the biggest uh, um, efforts in a team. Yeah, it's kind of like if you go back to the data lake, if you just keep throwing more and more data in, like you said, you just end up with a data swamp and it becomes unusable because <laughs> it's just a mess of unusable data. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and even that, I mean, if I'm thinking about the, the DAG market, so where I'm, uh, uh, I'm working, most companies haven't even managed to create a data leak. Um, yeah. So, so even that, and, and now we are actually leaving the idea of creating data leak. And we're saying, okay, just leave the data wherever it is because we, we've realized this is not working in this market. <laughs> because the data owners just don't share their data. Uh, so it's like, okay, just leave the data where it is in the systems. And then we build, uh, you know, uh, um, best practices, routine methodologies, let's say. So the data fabric is, is the technical word. Uh, 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 so that we know if you want to access the data, what is relevant. And then you go to this database, the database, you visualize everything, virtualize it, and then you can do the analysis. Um, um, even though the data is not on one, one, one uh, database. Is it that they can't or that they don't want to share or is it data privacy concerns yeah. or is it, or, or all of the above? It's it, all of the above, but the most important thing is the culture. You know, I've been, I've been doing this for uh, uh, how many years now? Four, four, three or four years. It's such a pain in the ass. And that's, because... <laughs> and that's a technical <laughs> term. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's not because of the technology. I mean, it's so easy. You just copy and paste. So it's, it's really <laughs> creating a data lake. Okay, I'm exaggerating, of course. It's not only copy and paste. But, you know, in, in a, a higher level, it's just copy and paste. But to be able to do that, you have to be allowed to copy it. And then you have to discuss about how so it has to be anonymized it has to be uh, pseudonymized which kind of data is it critical and if yes okay we can talk about anonymization but if it's not critical who cares but because people are afraid of doing something wrong they just stop everything so this is why i'm saying it's really a cultural thing um data sharing is is a sensitive topic in, in, in Germany, at least. And, you know, information has always been um, a powerful um, weapon, I would even say, in a big company. So if you had the information, you had the power, not the weapon, sorry, power is, is the, the better word. Right. And now we are trying to say, Many people need that information and you have to share it. And the information resides in the data. And we are asking everybody to share their, inf their information. So we are asking them to share their power. And who wants to share power? You know, it's a shift in, 
business priorities and, and status and management and leadership. And it's really a much bigger transformation than just technical, than just the technical part. And with the new information being shared among many others, um, you have new, like new important people rising kind of. And, and, and you know, so you, you are shaking the whole organization. And, and this is why, yeah, it's, it's not that easy. And you have to, to keep this in mind. Uh, so you can't go in in a project and just try to do something technical without caring about this whole complexity. Without the culture, without the, uh, yeah, uh, fascinating. It fits into everything else that uh, every podcast we do, every article we read, every real life experience. I mean, what TIS does, uh, Stephen could tell you all about it, has a lot to do with obviously pulling the data from all the different sources. That's sort of the key point. Mm -hmm. So um, fascinating. But my question then is, Given what you are doing, and hopefully, you know, with the with the routing and with different mechanisms, being able to come to the data um, and actually use it uh, and apply AI, however we're going to define it. What are the key use cases that you see that are exciting to you? What's coming up? What do you? What would you like to be doing, etc.? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm excited about taking AI kind of to the next level on a use case uh, uh, um, perspective, because until now we have seen a lot of automation happening. So automation is Robots. kind of the, yeah. the low hanging fruit and especially mm -hmm. business automation. So business process automation. Um, so this is something that can happen quite quickly in, in, um, in organizations and it leverages I mean, with, with those simple tools, you can really increase efficiencies and you free up resources of humans to do other things, maybe more complex uh, tasks. So this, is, um, this has been growing in the last years. And now that um, companies have done this and started trusting the process and started trusting the technology, uh, I'm hoping that we can go the next level and really build um, intelligent systems. Um, so not only the win repetitive tasks, but really helping uh, uh, the individuals in better doing their jobs. And then, you know, there are things humans can do better and there are things machines can do better. And then we should identify that and distinguish the tasks depending who is the best um, for the task and then, and then, um, yeah, and then execute. <laughs> Do you think the pandemic has created more opportunity for artificial intelligence? Uh, it's created opportunity for digitization, um, I would say. Uh, so it's, sort of the, the, the basics, um, because again, again, the data has to be collected and it has to be collected in an organized way. And I hope that the pandemic that forces, forced everyone, everyone to work from home and then, and then to um, 
uh, distribute the work in a different way and then also try to monitor it's all, all digital because you don't have people sitting in offices and then sharing papers <laughs> with notes and sticky notes uh, but everything needs to be in systems so there, there has been a lot of database and and uh, building and building processes and building uh, systems to enable this co-creation uh, virtual co co collaboration which I guess kind of gets us to the metaverse. If, it's, if we get more and more virtualized with collaboration, then it's kind of we're, we're virtualizing our workplace in the metaverse, which is just pure data generation, which... <laughs> okay, I, I'm not... <laughs> I, I haven't uh, thought about this uh, um, metaverse in this, in this, in this sense, uh, actually, but... Yeah, we yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how what to say about that. <laughs> yeah. more, more data, but who knows what's going to be useful? Yeah, that's that's the thing, and and this is why I said before you have to ask yourself what is your problem, what is the problem that you want to solve. So I'm not a friend of just build a platform just to gather data which is the business model in this case. So this is why I'm a little bit critical. Um, but back to your question, I'm, I'm sure that the positive thing that the pandemic changed is the mindset, you know? Mm. And, and we're talking technology, but at the same time, without the, the cultural, cultural transformation it needs, technology cannot, cannot happen. Technology is just a tool. Um, so we need we need to change the mindset of the people of wanting to use the tool, and this is something that the pandemic actually triggered. So at least in Germany, the mindset when you talk about work in general was is like no trust. So people needed to be at the office, otherwise the managers had the feeling they're not working, and this changed. So it's a first step, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's that's a key. One of the comments that um, actually in, in one of the podcasts that we just did uh, was from someone who works at a bank. And they were saying that although, um, you know, neobanks or fintechs can perhaps digitize or digitalize more easily because they're screen filled, they're natives, etc. Um, the pandemic has actually spurred banks or large corporations to actually uh, come up to speed very quickly on the digital front. Would you, does that resonate? Would you agree? Or is it, is it just uh, <laughs> been nudging them along? <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree. The question is how, if not how if quick have a, they if, adapted, but the, the quantity, let's say. I, I would say that this, is, this has been, a, you know, his point was this has been a game changer. Whereas you had a, you know, you had this wide, uh, uh, you know, cluft. You had a, you had quite a crack between, or quite a space between, mm. uh, say, a more digital company, a digital native, versus a, an incumbent. That the pandemic has pushed the incumbent to be a lot more digital, a lot more uh, nimble and agile. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and this is the positive thing about it. So it happened because it had to happen. They had no choice. 
Okay, so if everything is closed, then a bank, to take, to take that example, they cannot say we can offer or we do offer a better service in our, uh, um, uh, not offices. In our branch. Call, in our, in branch. our branch. or uh, right. Because they were closed. So, right. <laughs> so you had exactly. to shift that service online. Um, so they, they had to. And for that, the, the, the pandemic was just a, an important trigger. And now that they have started, I hope that they will keep on. Um, so we shouldn't we shouldn't fall back in the way we were doing things before the pandemic. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how much sticks, but I suspect quite a bit because I don't think we have a choice. But uh, that's uh, some, some, something that I spend a lot of time thinking about, where the the intersection of banking and payments and uh, technology. But. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, talking about payments, this is also this is also something interesting. In in, in Germany and other countries, it's different. But in, in Germany, you know the situation. It's it's actually amazing how much you still pay in cash. I mean, it's, that's crazy. And because of the pandemic, many stores had to switch uh, to digital uh, uh, payments, well, card or or a cell phone payments. It doesn't matter. So now they're like more open. And, and yes. I hope it will keep up. And obviously, when you pay digitally, there is a track. So there's a data point there. Uh, you are generating data that you can later analyze and use to make your service more efficient, to make the user experience uh, better, et cetera, et cetera. So th that's why it's the starting point. You start to digitize and hopefully you do it the proper way. I mean, for me, digitization is not just, you know, scanning a paper and then you say we have a PDF now or we have a scan, but okay, it's reading the paper, reading the content and putting it in a, in a database and, and try to think of a, a process that makes this data uh, somehow uh, useful. Uh, but yes. Yeah. We used to call that electrification as opposed to digitization. Yeah, I, I, won't, I, won't, go, I won't go there. But anyway, um, yeah, I think, I think what you're talking about is the mindset, uh, mindset uh, as you mentioned, has shifted in Germany. And I'm assuming that that's one thing that will never go back. Because once you change mindset, I think you do have a path forward. But mm. I wanted to go to the subject uh, that's probably near and dear in the path, at least to your heart, which is robots. So how do you see, uh, you know, the sort of the robots and daily tasks and you know, where, where is it specifically, you know, particularly important and what do you see as the issues? Yeah. Um, I mean, when we talk about robots, we have, we have to, to clarify about which robots we're talking about because <laughs> a yes. robot is, is anything that uh, uh, people made to uh, uh, um, execute we, some some tasks we, repetitively. We tend, when we say robots, I think the common person thinks of, you know, the little white man, you know, walking across the... Uh, yeah, the that's top. exactly. So that's the thing. We have, we have many software robots that we don't see and people don't really uh, uh, relate uh, uh, to robots. Uh, and then you have the hardware robots. So the ones uh, you see moving, you have the ones in the, in the uh, um, um, industry and then, yeah, the social robots. So depending, depending which robots we're talking about, um, there are tasks that those robots perform that we don't need to do anymore. And I'm looking back here in the, you know, in the industrial revolution where the first, first robots started building cars. Um, so you had less people 
in the factories. Mm-hmm. And um, um, of course, many people lost their job at the time, but then, then new jobs uh, uh, arose and more in the, in the services and more cognitive jobs. Uh, so the jobs earlier were mechanical. Uh, the mechanics were taken by the robots and then the people had to develop more cognitive skills to work more cognitively. Now we have cognitive robots. <laughs> so we are now on the, on the next level of the automation of the, it's not the industrial automation this, this time, it's the, um, I don't know how we call it anyway. Um, so now the robots are taking over the cognitive skills. So humans need to develop other skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course there are different consequences on um, the societies and, and on, on work and on relationships, even, you know, the way we behave with other humans, when you think about all the emotional AI and all the, the robots that have more and more empathy and uh, uh, that can really have uh, a deep conversation with, with people. Um, so this, this is all impacting how we live and how we work and how we interact with each other. And most discussions, I think, go in the way of, uh, should we allow that or not? So it's, it's either or. And I think if we look at the past, we never managed to stop progress. So the, the only thing that we were able to do is, is, you know, to handle it, to find ways to progress with the progress. So I don't think... Uh, we will be able to stop the technological revolution, uh, but we have to be prepared um, of dealing with it and, and we have to prepare the people to, to deal with it. What I absolutely believe that we should stop is something like autonomous weapons, for example. This shouldn't be allowed. Um, and I hope that the regulation does uh, uh, their work here. Um, but on a, on a general perspective, I'm more a friend of let's learn how to deal with this uh, technology rather than start to stop it because it's just a waste of time. Now we've mentioned banking as a use case, but what other industries do you feel will gain significantly from using AI? In banking? No, uh, outside of banking, like other industries. Yeah, I mean, all industries can benefit from it. Uh, um, that's for sure. What um, I think the biggest effort across industries are now in making the customer interaction um, nicer. Mm-hmm. So um, companies are more focusing, you know, on, on customer service. So there's, there has been a lot of chatbots and, and uh, you know, just improving um, the, um, the, the customer experience through user experience and then, and then user interfaces that are more um, user-friendly and also in- intelligence. I mean, intelligence in the way that they're personalized. So they know who is who has logged on the website. Uh, they have your data. <laughs> they they know your preferences, and then they help to guide you through uh, the website. So that's you know you navigate directly to the information uh, you need and and get um, uh, what you need as as quickly as possible. Um, 
so so that's one part customer 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 care customer service uh we had a lot of automation in the back offices so you know when we talk about business process automation uh, and all these things uh and efficiencies um so reducing costs everything that deals with predictive maintenance it increases the quality and reduces costs at the same time. So if you know that there will be an outage in 24 hours, you have the time to send a technician to the machine and repair it before the damage starts. And this way you make sure that the, the service hasn't been interrupted for your customers. So these things um, have been around for, for quite some time. And this is actually across industries. So. There is no difference if you are a telco and you do predictive maintenance on your network and there's less outage in the mobile uh, uh, phone network or, or landline, or if you are an um, electricity provider or a car manufacturer. So everybody needs their lines to be working without interruptions. So this is really something across industries. And what needs to happen now, and this is what I'm excited about, is really to see how we can leverage the existing data to create new products, you know, to create new things that we didn't have before. So new products, new services, new experiences, not to just improve what we have been doing in the last years, but really create new things. I guess that's where the real innovation will come. From those new experiences yeah 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 and i'm i'm really excited to see how how how, how this works and who are the first ones uh, you know <laughs> to come up with the with the new stuff <laughs> fair, fair enough uh so are there any jobs that are actually you know we talked about the robots i'm coming back to that a little bit you know and steven talked about industries so are there any jobs that are really safe or uh uh, no, you know, is everything up for grabs? Oops, no, everything's up for grabs. Okay. <laughs> That's a real clear no. Uh, <laughs> so let me let me <laughs> uh, uh, deep dive into that. Uh, there is a, a very good report from the World Economic Forum and from the OECD who um, uh, or, or that analyzed the jobs. And so it's it's. If someone is interested, it's really good to, to, to check it because there, there are the numbers and then the statistics and which jobs are more influenced and which are less. Uh, but the summary is we can't predict that. Yeah. Okay. So it's, a, it's like a, a trend. And with this new technology, we don't know which jobs we will have in 10 years. So if you look 10 years back, data scientists or something new didn't exist. So... It's, um, it's completely new. So we will create new jobs that we need, uh, we will need to uh, satisfy the new needs. So as I, I go back to my story before, so that in the industrial revolution, the machines took over the physical work, um, then people developed cognitive skills. Now the, the machines are developing cognitive skills. And then we have to see what, what we need to develop. And my personal view is we need to work on the emotional skills. Because this is something that the machines still don't have or uh, um, uh, that they're still building up. And this is what, what, what makes the, the difference. It's a strength that humans have and we need to nourish it 
because we need people in the future to create new things that don't exist yet. You know, so this is this is what differentiates us somehow from from the robots. We bring things together that, on the first side, um, we can deal with chaos. We can navigate in chaos, which robots don't <laughs> or can't. Well, there's some people that can and some that can't. Let's be very clear. No, only joking. Of course, yeah. Especially as an African, I can, I can, <laughs> I can confirm that. <laughs> and I'm so happy I grew up in Africa. I can totally deal with chaos. <laughs> so you, you see, these these are the skills that we will need more and more in the future. What I can't say is what's the job title. No idea. Clear. Yeah. So you definitely see the future of work is going to be different with some pros and some cons. Can you maybe reflect on some of the, the kind of negative aspects? Because you mentioned a lot of the positives. Of uh, this tech? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, of course. I mean, when you think about this technology as something that perceives the environment, learns from it, and uses that knowledge to solve the problems, then we are in big shit. <laughs> because <laughs> look at the environment. <laughs> and I, I don't mean with that the, the, the green environment, but you know, just the societies and, and how yeah. how humans live on this earth and what's how they behave in with each other and what they have done to the earth. So, you know, if you just uh, put the machine and, and say, okay, learn from all this, um, I'm, I'm not so sure the machine is going to learn the best of humanity. Um, so this is, this is uh, something that we should think about. We should reflect more on our behaviors um, because we have now someone watching and learning from us. And I mean, I mean, every parent will, will know what I'm talking about. You can't tell your kids do this because I tell you because I'm your mom or your dad. They just look at you and they repeat what you do. Uh, so if you say A and you do B, they will do B, they won't do A. Um, so we have to make sure that we behave in a, in a proper way so that the AI learns that proper way because it's going to use that knowledge to react in the future. And it also sounds that people be generally resistant to change. So we really need to create some kind of new mindset. Do you think people will be able to accept this new normal going forward? There's always resistance, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking if we really have the choice here. <laughs> I mean, when you have a look at all the technological developments, it's, it's just going its, its way forward. Um, and it seems like it's going on two different paths. So the, the, the tech companies are building technology and then the society is much behind still discussing about the, the first things and discussing about science fiction, the Terminator. And then you have the, the regulation looking at all this and not believing what's happening, kind of. Uh, so, so it's the, the, way, the way I picture it. And now they, they started, and it's a good thing that the EU uh, published the AI Act, for example. So it's, 
it is there now since April last year. And I think this year there will be the final version and it's going to be an AI act. So it's going to be mandatory at a certain point in time. So companies need to comply to that, which is a first good start. Um, so it's already a step further than, yeah, two years ago when we were still just discussing, oh, oh my God, oh my God, the AI is coming. And now we're, okay, okay, the AI is there and we have a first way of regulating it. And yeah, let's see what comes in the next year. And we have to keep regulating and then we have to keep educating the people. That's even more important. Yeah. And, and if we look at humanity in the past, we've gone through different revolutions of like agriculture and industrial and we've always survived. So and it's always brought better things to humanity. So I think. Where to the humans? As I said, if, if we think about the environment as part of the humanity, then it was not yeah. only positive, but uh, yeah. And mm. this is also part of the, the mindset change, I think, uh, um, that we have to do. Um, yeah, to, to, to see ourselves more in this, in this bigger picture and as part of, of the bigger picture and not, not at the, the kings and, and queens of, of, of the universe which we are not, but some people do think it's funny. Oh, well, uh, it, wait, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm going to, I'm going to drop that. I it's getting too philosophical. It. Okay. It's, it's getting very philosophical. I have three sort of short questions for you at the end. The first is, and, and, and I know we could probably talk two hours about this, but really quickly, why and how did you decide to write your book? And I'm, I translated, don't panic. It's just technology so that it's in English, but uh, I, and I yeah. know you wrote it in German, how brave of you, but tell me. Yeah, thanks. I couldn't believe myself. I, I would do it one day, but I did. Um, I, I just said, we need, we need to educate the people even more. And I mean, with educate, I mean, just sharing information. Yeah. And that was the big reason why I wrote the book. Because as, as a tech person, I realized that we do have a big responsibility here. So we are build, building tech on the one side, but we are the only ones understanding that tech. And it can't be this way. Right. We need so everybody. It's a, little, it's a little like the podcast. What, what we're trying to do is sort of demystify and share. And, and, Absolutely. And discuss. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're our poster child. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Second question, gender diversity and technology, especially AI, um, you know, there aren't very many women, at least that I can see. Is this changing? Does it matter? It does. It does matter, of course. And uh, it is changing, but maybe not quick enough. Um, so why it matters? Um, as I said, AI is learning from its environment. And AI is influenced by the people who build it. Uh, so right now it's quite homogeneous, um, but it has to be heterogeneous. Mm -hmm to make sure that it is built for as many, uh, not as many people as possible, but for the diversity that we have on earth, let's say. Yeah. Inclusive. Yeah. Inclusive. Okay. Thank you. La last quickie. Any, do you have any motto or watchword that, uh, you know, that you use that you live by? Um, yeah, maybe two. One of my biggest learning of China, of my time in China was common sense is not common. <laughs> so this, Love is, it. this is why I always try to understand people and why they behave the way they behave because there is no, no such a thing as common sense and the second one is maybe just do it 
So I'm a big, big just doing thing, not planning too much. You and Nike, talking. huh? <laughs> yes, I'm a Nike. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That, that, they'll enjoy it too. We'll have to share that with them. I like it. <laughs> yeah, just do it. I, I agree. Stop talking about it. Do something. Yeah. It's uh, probably better. Okay. Um, so any final thoughts? We'll turn to you first, Stephen. Um, yes, it's been a very interesting podcast. We will go into some of the philosophy of it as well. But it seems that the workplace is definitely going to be changing from what we've learned. And whether we adapt and what new innovations that will bring is still to be determined. But I think generally it sounds like we're going heading for a positive direction. It's going to be a, a graceful way to get there. Excellent. Kenza, any words that you'd like to leave us with? Um, yeah, I would just encourage people to keep up the spirit and the curiosity. Uh, we all need to learn uh, a lifelong. Uh, so, yeah, that would be yeah my finishing word. Just okay. be open for it. <laughs> okay, it's coming. Be open. Use it. <laughs> curiosity and spirit. I love it. Okay. Thanks so much uh, to Kenza and thanks to all of you for listening to Digital Dump. Our aim is to tackle a topic of interest in the world of technology on a weekly basis. Digital Dump is now on 10 platforms, including Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you have a topic you'd like to know more about, please let us know. So thanks and bye-bye for now. Bye. <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs>